This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. This is the John Oakley Show podcast. However, uh, closer to home here with the city of Toronto, there have been others who've been trying to, I guess, uh, commit some kind of grift ransomware you've heard about that uh where and this is happening really uh in a lot of communities with hospitals and the like hackers uh say that they've got control of your data and pay up and usually it's not like a a crazy exorbitant fee it can be you know just a handful of thousands of dollars still not insignificant but relative to what you might say a budget would be uh in a hospital or a community uh, or up to maybe 50 grand pay up or you lose all this stuff and communities usually pay up and the Toronto city, uh, the city of Toronto rather, has uh, identified two incidents that were not reported when it comes to ransomware. So what gives? Let's find out. Ann Kavukian is with us, the executive director of the Global Privacy and Security by Design Centre, three-term privacy commissioner here in the province of Ontario. Good afternoon, Ann. Good afternoon, John. Always a pleasure. Did you hear about this, that, uh, you know, the city of Toronto had, oh. I guess, been compromised by ransomware, or at least there were attempts to do it, but none of this was reported? Uh, should there be greater transparency? Yeah, of course. I mean, I only heard about it recently because it hadn't been reported. And this kind of transparency, especially on the part of a city, a government, of course they have to re- release this kind of information. But I think the bigger question is, why do they have such weak security? I'm not suggesting that strong security will always prevent this kind of thing. But if you have really strong security, the um, cybersecurity guys looking for who to attack next, they look for weak targets. If you have encrypted data and strong security, you know, you're just, it's too hard. They'll just go on to the next one. And so that's what always concerns me is that organizations, especially government organizations, they don't devote enough resources to security and strengthening the, the, strength, the protection of their data assets. So typically, as I described it, ransomware, I mean, it's fairly prevalent now as a practice, isn't it? Yes. Yes, it is, unfortunately. And it's not just, you know, here in the city. Um, In the United States, many cities have been struck with this. And unfortunately, most organizations, they under-resource for security. They just feel, well, you know, we'll deal with it when a problem arises. Well, the problems are arising big time now, and it's costing a fortune for these organizations. Whereas if they had devoted a fraction of what the ransomware is being demanded, if they had devoted those resources to strengthening security proactively by design, you could avoid the ransomware largely because they'll go for a weaker target than yourself. That's why it's so important to secure your data. Well, it's interesting because I've heard reports of where the smallest uh, off-the-beaten-path communities have actually been targeted because they never anticipated that they would be caught in the crosshairs of this kind of hacking. Is it possible to make, you know, every... I guess, uh, operation, corporation impregnable to this kind of attack? I'm not going to say impregnable because um, 
I always talk about the myth of zero risk. It's impossible to eliminate all risk, but you can reduce the risk dramatically to like less than 0.05%, less than, less than the odds of being hit by lightning when it's raining out. You go out anyway. So I, I'm just urging all these managers of these departments, strengthen the security of your data. You know, you, encryption is such a wonderful asset. You can apply this relatively easily these days, and it just makes it, it, it makes your data set uh, not become a magnet for the bad guys. They'll go looking for, for an easier target. That's what you want to do. You don't want to be an easy target. All right. Well, the city is saying, uh, this is the auditor anyway, that uh, the attacks were characterized as minor and neither were reported to the chief information officer. Terrible. But they're saying, go ahead. I was just. No, you go on. I was just going to say, well, the city is saying they lack the protocols to do so. And you've just explained why it's necessary (laughs) to have those protocols in place. And next hour at this time, uh, Stephen Holliday is going to be a part of our panel. He's the head of Toronto's audit committee. He thought that the, these kinds of things were automatic, that, you know, you'd have to yeah. report the findings. So it's like uh, one hand doesn't know what the other's doing or we're sort of, you know, uh, uh, going around crazy. in darkness here. All city staff should be advised of these kinds of things. Again, Anne of Kavukian course. is with us, uh, exec director of the Global Privacy and Security by Design Center, three-term privacy commissioner in the province of Ontario. Let me ask you about a couple of other things. I see where Twitter, and I'm not entirely clear how this is going to work, but they're launching a pilot feature in this country next week, uh, hiding some responses to your tweets unless readers click on a feature to reveal them. Uh, Is this something that we should really uh, care about? You know what bothers me? I wish they didn't use the term hiding. It's ridiculous. You're not hiding it. You're in control. The individual should be in control of the information they choose to post and how they wish to share it. Sometimes you want to share it with everybody, and occasionally you want to share it with a smaller subgroup. So I hate the term hiding because it implies that you're concealing something and you got something to hide. It's such a negative term. You should be able to control what information is disclosed to whom. So it will be interesting to see how this plays out. And as you just mentioned, it's not if people can eventually gain access to it. It's not being concealed forever. It's just not going to be part of the the initial um, tweet that you sent out. And uh, you may know, I I tweet extensively. Every morning between 5.30 and 6 a.m., I tweet the latest stories of the day. A lot of them come from the East, from Europe, et cetera. And, you know, there's a wonderful response to it. But I'm telling you, sometimes you get back really negative responses. Um, You know, I I always get get at least one, you know, lady, give it up. The privacy's dead. Get over it. That ship has sailed. Mm. I say, the hell with it. You get a new ship. I don't care (laughs) how it's sailed. You know, it's ridiculous to say you just get over it. Um, Privacy forms the foundation of our freedom. We have to have this. So a hell of a way to start your day, 530 in the morning. You're already in a spat with somebody. (laughs) What the heck? Uh, how do you? <laughs> my husband is a saint. I'm so. Fortunate. Oh, yeah, he's your salvation. Hey, let me ask you finally. You know, on this matter, Twitter, Google, Facebook uh, were not invited to Donald Trump's White House meeting of social media. I guess uh, what they were doing. There was a meeting today, and uh, yeah. that the three big players were not invited. Uh, I guess they're speaking to the idea that third parties can meddle in the upcoming election. And, uh, you know, there's all kinds of influence that uh, they can exert. 
Uh, And I guess conservatives are not too keen or the Republicans on either Twitter, Google or Facebook because they've accused them of being selective in, you know, how they edit things and position things and so on. Is it possible for third parties to really manipulate uh, impressions and maybe even affect the outcome? Uh, Even now, knowing what we know now, is it still possible? Because people are saying we've got to be on our watch here federally. We've got an election in three months time and they're already uh, bracing themselves for some kind of intrusions. Unfortunately, it is possible, and we won't know about it most of the time. Like Facebook, we know that they've been shaping the kind of responses because they have certain political party views, and that's fine. But to try to distort distort the perception of what's happening out there, I think that's unconscionable. We, you know, we have freedom of speech, and it, that's exactly what it is. It's freedom of speech to say whatever you want and to share it widely. To have some third party control that in any way is, is unconscionable. So we'll have to keep an eye on this and make sure that the, you know, the Googles and Facebooks uh, of the world uh, can't, do, can't affect us that way. Well, that's certainly uh, what the Trump administration is flouting, that uh, the idea of, you know, internal vigilance, the price they pay for uh, trying to keep things kosher and above board. Well, we'll see, uh, Anne, because we've got our own election in three months' time and whether there are any kind Mm -hmm. of nefarious players involved. Thanks so much, as always, for your time and input. Oh, my pleasure, as always. Thank you, John. You got it. Anne Kavukian again, Executive Director of the Global Privacy and Security by Design Center. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.